and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. We're in a brand new series entitled 10 Do's After I Do. We'll do one more week of it, and then we'll just pick another time to just kind of build it out. So far, we've covered two. And today, we're only going to cover, you know, the, the second one uh, again. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a long time. But we're just going to keep doing series. We won't do all 10 at one time because there's so many other things we want to talk about. Uh, but I, I do have this big on my heart. And so open up your Bibles if you brought them to the book of Revelations. We're going to look at Revelations chapter 2, Revelations chapter 2, and we'll look here in verse number 4. Ten do's after I do. After you have gotten married, after you have said I do, ten do's to do after you say I do. The first one is pray with and for your spouse. Pray with and pray for your spouse. The second one was date and be romantic. And this is where we want to pick up uh, with this week. Revelations 2 and verse number 4. But I have this against you. This is Jesus talking to his church. I have this against you. That you have left your first love. You have left your first love. Jesus is talking to his church and he says... I have something against us. Every relationship, I'll put it this way, every healthy relationship at its core has healthy communication. And so Jesus is wanting a healthy relationship with his church and he has to communicate something that he's seen going off track. And we have to have that ability to do as couples. When something is not going right, we have to be able to say that. And, and God does not shy away from that with us. Uh, He comes to us and he says, I have something against you. You have left your first love. Now, that's very interesting, right? Uh, My first love. It kind of gives the idea, if we're not careful when we're looking at it, that it's like you have this here that you love and this here that you love and this, this, this. And so there's these five things that I love and what was number one is now number five. That's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is Jesus is saying, at the beginning of our relationship, there was an intimacy and a passion for each other uh, that's not there anymore. And it's because you left it. I I heard this old joke years ago, and I can relate to it because my grandfather had a truck like this. Um, Hal K. Sims, my papa, had a truck that was a single row so it didn't have seats. It was just a row across. And you had like the thing you could pull down the armrest, you know, kind of break it up. But other than that, it was just a row. And so I used to sit on that row with him. So when I heard this joke, I'm like, I get it. Um, so the joke goes like this. There's this old couple in a truck like that. And it's the same truck they always had. And they're just driving around. And they see another young couple with the same type of truck. And the other young couple, like they're just right next to each other. 
Like so much affection, so much care, just snuggling right there at a stoplight. You know, a little awkward, but still. Uh, Right there. And the, the wife, old lady, looks at her husband and she says, I remember we used to do that. And the old man looked at his wife and he said, I haven't moved. And I think what God is saying here, and and listen to me for those of you who aren't married, what God is saying here is, I haven't moved. I, I still want that type of relationship with you, which is why we press for that. And I know, don't get me wrong, I know that there are, are parts of Christianity, and it's sad, but it's the truth, that don't. Like, we're perfectly okay with another Sunday morning service, let's sing a cute song, and let's, you know, learn something without any of us walking away knowing him. But what excites me is we have a church that's growing in a desire to know him, which means we press, that he's not moving, he's there, but we realize I could get closer if I wanted to. And, and so many people don't. And I get that. And Jesus said, it's hard for the rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. What's he saying? It's really hard for you to be with me if you don't think you need me. And it's really, it's really you're not going to buy something that you don't think you want or couldn't add value to you. And there's so many people who are like that with God. They don't need him nor want him. And so they don't pursue it. But what we want is a church that does. That we're not just singing. We're pursuing. And we're not just here like, okay, let's learn a cute little lesson. It's like, I want to know you through this book. Teach me your ways. Uh, so, so out of that, I love that pursuit. And, and it excites me too, going back to like the, the young people's thing this weekend. They had that, moments like that, where they encountered him. And when you have that, you know it. It's, it's first love. It's the love you have at first. There's a zeal there. There's an intimacy there. There's a a knowing there. But what happens is, is even in our relationship with God, we get familiar. And it gets common so we don't press as much. And, And we're there with him, but it becomes more about like, I need you to work on this, and I need you to work on this, and that, and that, and fix this, A, B, C. And it's not pressing to know each other. And he's calling them out on it. And that, once again, it excites me that we have young people who are encountering that because their soul won't forget that. So when he calls them to remembrance, they'll be like, oh yeah, I remember when. I remember when I had that zeal. I remember when I felt your presence. And so he's calling them to that because he says, if not, your candlestick will go out. And let's read this next part in verse number five. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen. Watch this. He's going to list three things. I numbered them in my Bible. Therefore, number one, remember from where you have fallen. Number two, repent. And number three, do the deeds you did at first. Or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. What's he saying? The fire will go out. If you don't remember, if you don't repent, and if you don't return, the fire will go out. Now what's interesting here is he's talking about our relationship with him. To call ourselves into remembrance and be like, you know, we have not had that type of intimacy. To remember it, to repent and say, but I want it. And then to return, to to move back closer to the seat. It's like, he hasn't moved. 
He's still interested and to come back. But we need that in our relationship with God. We need moments of humility where we invite him in, that we see we need him, that we, we get on our knees and we see a need for him. And our humility invites him in. And for every young person and for all of you even today who are willing to do that at any one of our campuses, whether you're at Fondren or Highland Colony or Poindexter, if you came into this service today with a humble heart of like, teach me God, show up. I need to hear, he will meet you. Because he draws near to those who draw near to him. Those who are hungry, he will fill. And so you begin to encounter him in a deeper way. And, and what he's doing here is he's saying, okay, remember that and now return to it. Like come back to us knowing each other. Now, the same thing would be true, though, in marriage. When you are dating, especially for those of you who got married, there was, was a zeal there. There was a passion there as a couple that literally brought you to the point of making promises and sacrifices and buying rings and, you know, all of these other types of things. Um, because you had something there that was driving that love. The problem is, is that many of those things came naturally. Um, it did, didn't require any discipline. It's like you, you, we sing these songs of like, when you turn your eyes upon Jesus, the world grows strangely dim. That's what happens when you're in love. And when you are dating your, 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 your partner and there's this romance and this idea of what could be and all of these types of things, the world grew strangely dim. You didn't care about work at the same level. You're not checking your phone at the same level. Uh, but what happens is, is when you say, I do, we begin to do something. We begin to get familiar with each other. And what once we were in awe of, now we don't even notice because we've seen it so much that we've taken it for granted. And this happened even in Jesus' own hometown. They became so familiar with him that he could not manifest his glory there. Because there was no honor because of the familiarity. They became so familiar with him, they, they demeaned him. They didn't see him. And this is what happens in marriages. These things happen and, and we get so familiar with each other that without thinking it, we're leaving the love we had at first. Of there was this love that was so strong we actually made promises and vows. A love that was so strong that we actually like made a decision to like buy rings and exchange things. And, and we have that love, but without thinking about it or focusing on it, we, we leave it. And so he's saying here, like, if you do that, the fire goes out. And what happens in, in marriage is it begins like dating. There's playfulness, there's romance, there's attention, there's all these things. And it, it's a spark and it's a fire. And other people can even see it and notice it. They're in love. Uh, but then we, we drift from those things that created that. Because there were actions you were doing that created that. We drift from those actions and we come to this place where the lampstand's going out. And the fire that once was there is not there any longer. And so the recipe back is threefold. He, he says, I want you to do three things. I want you to remember. Remember that there was a time where you once were in love. Then repent. Ask, what were we doing when we had that? 
and then return, make a decision to do it. So let's walk through each one of these, because this is actually an exercise I want you to do as a couple. Me and my wife did it as a couple, uh, and so I want you to do this as a couple as well. Uh, let's look at this. Remember, what were you doing when there was romance? There was a time where there was, or else you probably wouldn't have been married. What were you doing? Seriously, when there was romance there, when you had first love, what were you doing in those moments? And this is a worthy conversation. Uh, for me and my wife, I made this list. I asked myself this question, and yesterday I pulled aside my wife over coffee, and I'm like, let's talk about this. Here's what I see we did when um, we were dating, and we agreed to get married. It was, our, our love story was a ro- whirlwind romance. We met, three months later, we're married. Like, yes, I don't recommend it, but it worked well for us. <laughs> but it was, it was first love all the way. Like, if you looked at us, you'd be like, they are in love. Um, and when we look back at that stage, I see several things. Um, there was mass amounts of sacrifice, like, mass amounts of sacrifice. I was pastoring then. And so at that time we were doing midweek services literally every single Wednesday. And so after that Wednesday service, I would preach. She lived in Birmingham. I lived in Jackson. I would drive all the way from Jackson to Birmingham, drive all the way to Jackson from Birmingham. I would always stop at Meridian at a gas station, eat a little bit. Several times I, I, I left with people having to like bang on my car because I had left the, the gas nozzle in the car and was driving off with it because I was trying to get there so quick. Why, you ask? Because my wife, she was in college, but she lived at home with her father and mother, and they were very strict because she was the baby of the family. And so even though I was a pastor, I'm pastoring at this moment, she had a strict curfew and had to be in by 1130. And so I would book it, drive three hours from Jackson uh, to, to Birmingham, show up at her front door for like 30 minutes just to see her. Just, just, come on, just to see her, just to see her. Sacrifice. It was funny. Her, her father and mother were there at the first service, at the 830 service at Highland Colony. And I'm like, this is what you did to me. Like, this is, this is actually what happened. Uh, and so then we'd wake up the next morning before she'd go to school. Uh, we'd have breakfast. And then I'd drive back. Why? Love. And you know what? Didn't mind it a lick. In fact, looked forward to it. Why? First love. That level of what? Sacrifice. Uh, Next, communication. Any of you remember the Razor phones? Razor phones. Anybody here? Forget your iPhone. Razor. The Razor phones were like the the newest, sleekest phone. And I can remember getting on my Razor phone and with my my minute plan. Uh, And you don't know how blessed you are, young people, with FaceTime and Wi-Fi. Let me just, let me welcome you into my world. Uh, you know, texting, so hard, possible, but so hard. It's like, T, 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 you know, like all, all going through multiple. So you would talk, you, you would call. And like, I look at my phone bill, so much communication because we were dating long distance. We talked about everything, nothing in her world. I didn't care about nothing in mine that I wasn't willing to share so much. What? Communication. Why? First love. Attention. 
I forgot to take the gas nozzle out. Well, I'm, trying, I'm just so looking forward to seeing her. I, I apologized to her parents this morning because my wife completely forgot about school. <laughs> school did not matter. She's in college at the time. She didn't care. She is in love. Uh, and out of that, grades are dropping. She, it didn't matter because yeah, I took her from it. Uh, so, but, but out of that, attention solely on me. Like I can remember vividly of like when I'm with her, it's like I'm going to leave my phone in the car. Because I don't want it to ring and take me away from this moment. It's precious. And so what is this fuel? What is all of this fueling? You got a strong lampstand. You got a fire that's beginning to burn. We'll keep going here. Fun dating. Like we didn't have all this money and all that type of thing to, you know, do a whole bunch of stuff. So we would go to like the, the botanical gardens there in Birmingham. And she would take quick day trips down here to come to church. And we'd, we'd be together and then we'd go eat at Penn's or, you know, things like that. Just fun little dates, fun little moments of interacting with each other. Uh, gifts. Um, we would create moments where we'd give little happies. In fact, I can remember walking around the Galleria Mall with my wife there in Birmingham. I guess it's in Beth, you know, somewhere in the Birmingham area. We were walking um, in the mall and we walked by this coach store. And I can remember her eye just looking at the little coach purses. And I'm like, you want a purse? And I went in there and bought her. I, I, I can remember, it's $318. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever bought something, like, and you're acting like you're not mindful of how much it costs? It's like, whatever you want, baby. Like, and then you're like, oh, God, please help it go through. Please, please, God, help it go through. What's my overdraft limit? And I can remember getting her that purse and how, how happy it made her. Uh, why? First love. Uh, pursuit. Um, now, I, I want to I major on this one only because I really feel the Lord kind of leading me in this regard for this weekend. But you know when you're dating, there is a pursuit for each other that is, is healthy but could be unhealthy, so you set up boundaries. Because there's a, a desire for each other. Now, listen to me. There's a desire for each other. And that's part of what's driving this first love, is there's a romantic love there, not just a friendship. And so it's kind of driving this so much so, you have to set up boundaries to, to make sure, like, okay, like we keep this in its right place. Why? Because it's so strong. And then in marriage, oftentimes, this begins to drift. And listen to me. I, I talked a lot to, to men last week about, like, praying for your wives. And so, you know, I really felt big last week. As, as men, we have to guard our gardens. And we have to be people who see there's an enemy who tries to talk to our spouses. And so we will pray with and for them. As for me and my house, as men, we will serve the Lord. And I will learn from Adam. I will guard my garden. And so we talked a lot about that, especially at the 1130 service, really addressed men. And, and at the 1130 service at Lakeland, we had 58 men walk the aisles at the 1130 service for their families. 58 men. Take a new stand in that area. Awesome. Uh, so now, ladies, it's your turn. Uh, so <laughs> um, have you ever read Proverbs 7? You don't have to go there and look at it now, but for, for homework, uh, extra credit, go read it. In Proverbs 7, you see a man drawn into something that hurts him. 
by a woman. And what's interesting is a, a lot of times when we think of pursuit physically for somebody, for men, a lot of times women have an idea that it's just a, a physical thing. It's not. Listen to me. It is not. Um, in Proverbs 7, you see a woman draw a man into something that hurts him. What's interesting when you read Proverbs 7 is you have no insight on what she looks like. There's nothing there about any attribute of hers physically. The only thing we know about her in that moment was she desired him and communicated that to him. And when it did, it led him right to her. Desire, a man feeling desired, is incredibly healthy in marriage and incredibly dangerous outside of it. And so oftentimes this is where the enemy gets into marriages. Which is why the Bible is short on a lot of marriage advice, seriously. Uh, it's, there's not a lot there, but one thing it emphasizes is literally two becoming one flesh. One flesh. And when Paul was writing, uh, he majored on this. Pursuit for a man is powerful. That pursuit for him done outside of the marriage covenant and done with an evil kind of intent wounded him and hurt him. In marriage, listen to me, it heals him. For a man to feel desired... For a man to feel wanted is meeting a need in him that you have no idea how strong it is. And when you were dating, it was there. It's so quiet here at Lakeland. Isn't it as quiet at the other campuses? I'm trying to help people. And I, I can't speak to this for, you know, people older than me, because I know things do change. But I, I can't speak as somebody who was married in their early 20s and 20s and 30s. It doesn't change. <laughs> I love it. We had someone speak up. It doesn't change. It's, but I, I promise you, this is something that is more than physical. It is spiritual for man. And that's what Proverbs 7 is trying to hit at. Proverbs 7 is, is trying to showcase this is more than just physical. We know nothing about her physical, physical appearance. We only know her attitude of heart. And it was, I want you. And it wasn't even genuine. But she made him feel it. And it led him to something that hurt him and wounded him. And, and out of this... If, if you could come as a couple and once again, notice what Jesus did in Revelations and have an honest conversation and, and, and come and say, like, here's what I'm seeing is something that's taking away our lampstand and our fire from our marriage. And just, and just ask as a, a woman to the man, do I make you feel desired? And let him speak honestly. 
that you might find something there that immediately brings life and healing to your marriage. Because in first love, it's there. Pursuit. Even in our relationship with the Lord, so much of what we're, we're like, what we're, is to know him physically, like to have something there where there, it's more than just, it transcends head knowledge. It, it transcends just song or words, and there's something there that is feeling, he wants to be with me. It's very powerful. Now for men, you know, let me turn this <laughs> For, for men, you have to understand that for your wife, what is, what is so critical is that she knows that you find her beautiful, not that you love her. She wants to know that you love her, but she wants to know that you want her more than just for something that is physical, but, but something there that is bringing you to her for who she is. And so for a wife uh, to, to be in an honest conversation with a husband, for the husband to be able to ask uh, her, have I made you feel beautiful? Do, do I make you feel beautiful? Because in, in first love, it's, it's there. Which leads to, seven, a lot of affection that is, you know, holding hands and a lot of affection of like wanting to be near and a lot of affection with words and language and things that minister to the heart of, of men and women. And I, I just want to encourage you to contend for these things. Like in your, your, your marriage and in your relationship to contend for this, of to, to literally... Remember, when we were dating and said, I do, what was going on? These things. Okay, remember that. And then what do we do next? We repent. Uh, number two, we repent. And I, I, I said this, you know, before, and I, I want to say this as much as I can when I talk about marriage. Marriage can literally overcome anything. Anything. In 21 years of pastoring, I've helped a lot of married couples. And I'm telling you, I have seen it overcome prison. I have seen it overcome multiple affairs. I have seen it overcome sickness and disease. I have seen it overcome, you name it, I have seen it overcome it. The only thing I have not seen it overcome is hardness of heart. And here's what I mean by that. If you really go back and like, remember, do you remember? Do you see? It's like, I do, I do, I do. If you come back with, but I don't care. That's something God can't work with and neither can the marriage. You have to come to a place of repentance of like, I do see that. I do see when we were dating, I was giving you that. I do see when we were dating, like we had that. There was sacrifice. I do see when we were dating. I wouldn't even take my phone. And now every time I'm with you and we're trying to talk, I'm looking at it. Like, I do see that. You're right. I do see that. Repentance is what changes the direction of things. 
And so there has to be this moment of like, I do see, I remember, and it matters to me. It matters to me that that matters to you. It matters to me that that's, that's where we're at. And so I want to change directions. Repentance is not like, I'm such a terrible husband. It's not like all these tears. It's just like, no, I do see we were there, and I want to go back there. I do see we were there so much we got married. I want to go back there. And so then, after you've made a decision to repent, you return. I don't have time to get into all these things. Uh, You return. Next one. Return. (laughs) Maybe not. Uh, But but out of that, you return. And you, you do the things you did at first. So you make a decision to, to go into those things. You, you come to a place of repentance. You come to a place of returning. And you do the works you did at first. And you have those conversations that lead that there. Uh, go over to Genesis. I'll close with this. The book of Genesis. And let's look at this in Genesis chapter 2. So much revelation in Genesis chapter 2 on the concept of marriage. The Bible begins with a marriage and ends with one. Genesis 2 and verse 22. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her unto the man. Notice the woman was made from the rib. The the rib was made from the side. Uh, Ribs protect vital things and support protection and support. And that's backed up with what God said. I will make help for you. Now there are three postures in marriage, three postures in marriage. You have back to back, side to side, and face to face. Where you don't want to be is back to back. And this is where the enemy is going to try to to force you to be, is when you're back to back, I have what I see, you have what you see, and the two do not mix. So this is my phone. I see it, you don't see it. This is my work. I don't talk to you about it. I'm seeing things with the kids. I'm not talking to you about it. I have friendships. You don't have those friendships. I have friendships over here. I don't mix that with you over here. I have hobbies I see. Those hobbies don't intertwine with yours. I have things that I enjoy. You have things that you enjoy. And you're turning into singles again. Of lives away from each other. And so you're wrestling with this over here, and it's like you're trying to fix it, and you have no support. You have no helpmate, no protection, no support. Uh, and so you're back to back. The problem with back to back is you begin walking away from each other because it's like, oh, this over here. And so you're, you walk away from each other, and they're walking away from you, and you have separation and you feel it. Um, you, the relationship feels tired. Because there's no help, there's no support. The relationship feels cold. Why? The the lampstand's going out. It feels cold. Tired. Um, And so you, you have to see, like, no, 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 no. God created us to be a support to each other. God created us to be protection for each other. So let's turn side to side. And let's face this. And this is a strong place of marriage. And this is where so many marriages are. So many good marriages right here. Side to side. It's like, I'll help you with it. And so it's like, you see this with one of your children. It's like, I see it too. I'll help you with it. Can you talk to them? I can. Uh, Can you go over there and do it? I will. You pick them up, I'll drop them off. Partnership. And it's strong. 
And you feel the strength that comes from that in marriage, right? It's like they're helping you at work. You're helping them here. They're they're picking up these duties at the house and you're picking up these duties. It's shared. And so since it's shared, it's like, okay, you're making dinner. I'm doing laundry. This is wonderful. And you feel the support from that and you, you attack life and there's all these things. You talk financially and you talk about the kids and you side to side. But we get so caught up in partnership that we forget that that's all friendship is, is partnership. And it turns into this business relationship and it loses romance and playfulness because there is no face-to-face. And what's interesting when I do a marriage ceremony is the couple starts facing me. So the, the, the wife is walked down by the aisle by, you know, a father or a family member. And it's like, who gives this woman to be this married, married to this man? And family will be like, I do! And I'm like, you may take your bride. And when the husband comes and takes his bride, they're facing me side by side. And the relationship is beginning to form. You can feel the strength there. This is now something new. Left father and mother. And so I address them and I'm talking to them, giving them a charge on what marriage is going to look like. But halfway in the ceremony, I have them turn and face each other, face to face. And in turning and facing each other face to face, they begin to exchange. Now what they don't know is, and I know this, this is all you've been doing in dating. In dating, there's been far more face to face than side to side. You're finding out who each other are. You're exchanging things. And so out of that, the the marriage was born face to face in the dating relationship. And so there's all this exchange, dates, vows, promises, commitment, words. And then at the end of it, we, we have them turn and face the audience and say, may I present to you Mr. and Mrs. Joel Sims for the very first time ever and the crowd goes wild and you're side by side. And that's how you, you live from then on. You've got all these things you've got to do. I need your help with this. And God's like, yes, 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 a helpmate. And we function side to side. But the problem with that is, is you'll have a great friend. You'll have a great business partner. But you won't have intimacy, romance, and joy until you turn and have face-to-face. And return to each other. Even in our relationship with God, right, so many times it's about, and we sing about it, I don't want to just see your hand, I want to see your face. And so oftentimes in marriage, it's like, hey, can you give me a hand with this? Can you help with this? And, and you go to bed, and it feels nice because you had help that day. And you feel that, and it, it feels good and strong, but something begins to become missing. There's no spark. There's no flame. Because things have been left. And for most of, of good couples, they've been left unintentionally. No one meant to. It's just there's so much to be a partner with. <laughs> So much that we need help with, especially when you start getting kids and practice schedules and soccer and baseball and church and, you know, all these things. I get it. Me and my wife, we're coming out of that stage. We've got teenagers now who are, you know, driving and about to go to college and that kind of thing. But I can remember those days of like, it's just you're running around. You got so much to do. I get it. But if you want that flame and romance, you've got to turn and you've got to see each other. Things have to be set down and you have to see and exchange those words and exchange those moments and, and, and put logs back on that flame. And so at, at all of our campuses, that's, that's what I want for you in your relationship with God, but also in your relationships if you're married with each other. 
that you come and say, I want more than partnership. I'm so thankful for our partnership. I'm so thankful for our help. But I want more than a friend. I want more than a business partner. I want someone to to share with. I want someone to enjoy with. I want someone to be vulnerable with. And to contend for that. To return to the works at first because we're taking a moment to remember them. Let's stand to our feet at all of our campuses. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. For those of you who are married, just take the hand of the person next to you if your spouse is there. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for each and every married couple. Babe, if you'd come up here and just pray, just pray over marriages real quick. My wife, thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we just thank you for every single couple, every single husband, every single wife, every single marriage, every single family. Father, I just thank you that this is your best, that, Father, you have given us our spouse to share our life with, to be a joy, to be a crown, to be an addition and a joy. So, Father, I just call out those, those gifts that spouses are supposed to be, that, Father, I just thank you that there is a new joy that comes into homes, that children are seeing. There's a new passion for one another, that, Father, what once was hard, that there is now a grace that makes those things simple, that where the enemy has clouded and made us see our spouse in a light that's less than love, I thank you clarity comes in, that we see our spouse as a daughter of the king, as a son of the king, and we treat him as such. Father, I thank you. Just new passions, new romances, new joys. Just fill and flood our homes, Lord. And I thank you our kids will see it. And our homes will be healthier than they've been in ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen.